something the Lord has laid on my heart. I've had this on my heart for a little bit, and I'm going to talk to our to us about something today. So uh, you can stand if you'd like for for this. Matthew 13 and verse 3 through 9 is what I'm going to be reading. But it says, And he, speaking of Jesus, spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he had sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, forwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth and when the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them but others fell into good ground and brought forth some a hundredfold some sixtyfold some thirtyfold and who hath ears to hear let him hear Amen. You may be seated. We just prayed a second ago. So let me just jump into this today. Um, the text today, it just tells us that a sower went out to sow. He had a job to do, and that was to gain a crop from the field. Today, I, I want to talk about um, lessons from the field. And I'm going to be upfront and honest with you today. A lot of this lesson today is coming from, I don't know if you've ever heard him. His name is Brother Philip Harrelson. He is a pastor in Dothan, Alabama. He's an extraordinary expository Bible teacher. Uh, he has a YouTube page you can go to called the Barnabas Blog. He has a Barnabas Blog and Barnabas Notes. And, and um, he has a series that he continues called Barnabas Notes. He's just... Uh, just keeps this thing going and, and some of this stuff today I've gleaned from him so I'm not going to tell you that it's all my original and nobody too much is preaching the original stuff anyway because we're just taking it from the Bible anyway right that's just sermons of churches but some of the stuff that I was reading with what what he had said in this it just seemed like it was very fitting to where we are right now as a church um, if you are a farmer not something you do as a hobby. I've always tried to put a garden out, not done it this year. I need to get out, at least put some tomatoes out anyway. Um, my grandmother, she was an exceptional gardener. She, uh, and my grandfather as well, and um, they were good at growing tomatoes and stuff like that. And uh, Tammy's dad, Bruce, he took me out to his garden today. That's one reason we was right on time getting here. He said, come on, i got to show you my garden. He's, he's getting close to him. He's drawing close to him. I'm, I'm excited about this. Y'all be praying for Bruce, um, Bruce Howard. I'm, I'm going to get him to church yet. I'm going to see if I can get him a Bible study for too long. But uh, he took me out to show me his little garden. But many of us, we've, got, we've had small gardens of some sort. But to make a living by gardener, by gardening, is something that's called being a farmer. And if you're going to be a farmer, you can't garden like I do. And you probably can't even garden like uh, my grandmother or my, my grandfather. You, you got, you've got to learn to live in the field. If we're going to live by being a farmer, we have to learn to live in the field. And there's a lot of things that we can learn from the life 
by just visiting a farm. We're never privileged enough to really be around people that had a whole farm, brother, and it seemed like I'd love to went and done that, you know. I remember milking a cow one time. It was kind of cool, but I never rode into big tractors and all that kind of stuff, but there's a lot we can learn by farming. We're, we're living in farm. This is farmland right here, right? I mean, he's got behind the combine, got behind the tractor, and they've held you up, and you see them in the fields and things. But uh, let, let's learn some lessons from the field today. And the first thing that we need today and understand is that the response, there is responsibilities of the sower, those who sow in the field. And the farmer, we've got to understand that if we're going to be farming, we're, we've got to do some plowing and we've got to do some planting. And one of the first things that the farmer will have to do with the ground that he is going to farm, he's got to take out the plow. He's got to let the edge of that plow turn that soil over and break up the ground. You just can't take seed and just throw them out there. And we have a place we throw out some scraps at the house, and I'm sure a lot of people's got those, unless you've blessed and got a garbage disposal and all that kind of stuff but uh, I told I hadn't put out a garden this year and I we got back from our vacation I looked over our deck where we throw it and I said hey honey there's my garden growing got some tomatoes that's coming up but also notice all the weeds coming in around it you just can't throw stuff out on the ground especially if it's not been broken up the soil has to be broken and whether it's been a single season or that soil has sat there for decades. A farmer's got to bring that land under his subjection. You've got to get control of that land that you're going to plant something in. And we, just like that, must plow until the fields has been entirely covered with fresh new ground that's been broken up. Amen. If you can see where I'm kind of going with this today, there is a big area here that we, we need to farm. And we need to get the plow back in the ground out here. And we need to start turning over the ground once again. And we need to bring this land back under subjection to the kingdom of God. And we've got to plow. We can't work a little here, a little there, spend two weeks here doing something, or two months, or trying, trying to open a field. But we've got to work until we see it completed. And like I said, we're in farming country here, right? And over the last month, no doubt, as you have made your way to church, or you've made your way back home from church, you've seen farmers in the field both day and night. I've seen them out there with the lights on, Sister Hudson, plowing the fields, planting the fields. And we've got to understand that we're, when you get ready to plow, to get ready to put the seed in there, it's a job that's going to make us weary. But if we're going to have a harvest, we've got to break the fields. We've got to get back out in the field, and we've got to break out the ground, and we've got to get it prepared and ready for the seed that God wants to put in this city, wants to put in this area. Because it is the will of God that the church have a light in this city and all the cities around us. And we've got to understand, if we're going to plow, you're going to get weary. It's going to be long days involved. There's going to be inconveniences involved. My guys know Brother Brad Giffen from Star Bethlehem, my good friend, and he is into farming. And 
there's been several times we've had some family dinners and stuff and say where's where's brad at oh he's in the field even though sometimes there's things that we want to do sometimes we've got to sacrifice that and go get in the field and plow when we can and that's not always comfortable but the thing with plowing it'll make us weary it'll get dust in our eyes it, it'll, it's, it's noisy our, our ears will get filled up with a lot of noise sometimes when you're plowing in the field I'm going to tell you you're going to sweat sweat's going to run down your face it's going to drip into your clothes you're going to get, get some wet backs and, and you're going to get a little bit stinky but you know, let me tell you what plows they're going to break every once in a while and we're going to have to repair them every once in a while because plowing is not an easy thing. It's going to make your bones ache. It's going, to, it's going to make us be exhausted when we get out there and we start to work the fields like we need to. And we're going to find that there is going to be a weariness that's going to stay with us for days after we've been, uh, been toiling in the ground and working in the ground. It's not easy to knock doors. It's not easy to pass out tracts. It's not easy to always do Bible studies. But that is working in the field. And you're, we're going to find some frustrations. We're going to find some mechanical failures with our equipment sometimes. It's just not going to work exactly like we want it to. Every Bible study is not the same. Every door you knock is not the same. Every person we deal with is not the same. There's, there's difference in all kinds of people. But we've got to get out there in the field. This is all a part of what comes with, with plowing. And there is a, uh, an amount of perseverance that that is going to be required of a church if we're going to find a harvest in our family, in our marriage, in our home, in our church, in our city. It takes some perseverance. Galatians 6, 8, 9 says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. One of my favorite verses, Galatians 6 and 9, the next verse is, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. It doesn't stop there. A lot of times people want to think, we're going to reap, but it has another phrase there at the end. If we faint not, we got to keep on pushing. we got to keep on plowing. And it's easy to stop. It's easy to give up. It's easy to quit. But 1 Corinthians 15 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Important phrase in there, in the Lord. It's a lot of work that we do, it is vain. But when we're doing work in the Lord, that's not in vain. There is a return that will come to us. And when we're laboring in the field of the harvest, that's like these farmers, I know they get weary, they got long hours because they got to plant when they can. I mean, um, we wasn't in this area before I heard there was a lot of rain last week, and I think there's going to be a lot of rain this week. I bet a lot of farmers, if they hadn't got their fields plowed yet or fields planted, they're thinking, man, I, I got to do it when I can. That's why you see them out there in the dark. That's why you see them. And, and that's how it is with us a lot of times. If we're going to get out here and we're going to reach people, well, it may take a Friday night. It, uh, if we have midweek on Thursday, it may take a Wednesday night going out when other people maybe is in church and we can catch those who don't even go to church you know it can take time we just have to get out there it takes time it takes some plowing but be honest with us today if you're married 
been married. Marriage is going to take some plowing. And that's not always you plowing your spouse. Sometimes your spouse has got to plow you. You've got to be willing to take it. You've got to learn to give and take, right? We've got to plow. Sometimes our children are going to need some cultivating. Our minds, our attitudes, they need to feel... They need to feel the bite of that plow digging in and uh, that word in our life. Our homes, we need to have the seed planted and watered in our life. And I'm going to tell you, there's some pain involved in the planting process of life. There's some pain involved. Character. is said that character is formed in the fire of contention and difficulty. You never have any resistance in your life. You never have any contention. You never have any difficulties in your life. You, we need that in our life because it builds character in our life. It builds integrity. And the farmer, we find that when he's plowing, he's got four types of ground. And again, I'm talking about lessons from the field, this text that I just read today. we just seen there's four types of ground that... We're going to deal with four types. There's going to be good ground. That's the kind of ground we like, right? But unfortunately, most good ground just doesn't happen. It's got to be cultivated. It's got to be plowed. That's what I was talking about. It's got to be plowed. You're not not just going to go out and find ground that's just perfect for the seed to fall in. We've got to cultivate it. And that's the first part that I was talking about. Jesus said there's good ground. There's the wayside. There's the thorny ground, and there's the stony ground. But with work and with time, all three of the grounds that's not good ground, all of them can be turned into good ground. But it takes time. Some takes longer than others. And that's the way it is with some people. Some people, our lives, it takes longer with some soils than it does others. Some, it's easier. Some people are hungry. They're ready to receive the, uh, the word in their life. Some are not ready, and it takes time. It takes building relationship. It takes getting past the thorns and the rocks and the, and the wayward. And, and, and let, me, let me talk to, about these uh, three, because we know the good ground. It's, we know it's, it's, it's ground that's ready for seed. And we've seen them people come into the house of God. We've, seen, we've run into those in the streets like, you knock on the door, it's almost like they open the door up and like, I've been waiting on you. I've been looking, I've been praying. And then you knock on that door and it's like, ah, I should have shut the door on you already. But that doesn't mean that something can't work in their life. Right? So let's talk about the wayward ground. This is the ground that becomes hard and packed down because of the constant traffic along the edges of the field. Dakota, they're in Sunday school down there. I'm just glad you're here. <laughs> but it's that traffic along the edges of the field, all right? It gets a lot of traffic on it. It's, that, is, that is the busyness, the hurry. Sometimes it's just simple responsibilities in life that will cause this ground not to bear fruit. And before the seed ever really has the opportunity to take root, the birds come by, 
They pick it up. They devour the seed. And we've got to guard carefully against the busyness that robs God from us. It robs our family from us. And, and we've got to be careful with that. I, uh, my brother and his kids, and uh, my, me and my kids, we have what we call the whole Orton Group text message together. I call it our own personal Facebook page, all right? And uh, it's just among, I don't know how many of us it is. It's, it's, it's probably 20 of us in this one text message uh, thread that we got. And uh, this morning, Brother Matt Gallimore, you guys know him. Uh, he's preached for us several times down here, my, my brother's son-in-law. He sent a message out to the group with a picture of him and his wife and his four kids. He said, we're all going to church together today. Because he has been working at a job where the weekends, he works Thursday, fr uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Sunday, I think. Or maybe it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, three 12-hour shifts. So he's not been able to go to church on Sunday morning there with them. He said, we're getting to go to the church all together today. And his wife made a comment, you know, you know, reply to whatever it said. It said, even though it's 8% less pay because he's going from a, a different, you know, he's now he's on day shift five days a week. So he can make all the, the church functions and all the kind of stuff. He said, even though it's 8% less pay, but God will make a, make a way. I made a comment back to him and I said, it may be 8% less pay, but you're getting 33% more church. And there's a greater return on 33% more church than there is 8% more pay. And that's the thing we got to realize. We can get so busy in life that the busyness of life can take away. And it's harder to receive what God has got for us. And that's why we need to cultivate our own life. That's why we need a preacher every once in a while to lower the plow and let the Word of God preach something to us and get in our life. And that's why we need to go out here and reach everybody. Just because somebody seems to be too busy for church today, well, they might not tomorrow. They might not the next day. It's according to what may hit their life. And there's a lesson from, uh, that we can learn from the field because that, that guy who decides, I'm going to plow this field, well, he may go out there one day and start plowing, and there's so many rocks and stuff in there, and it's been traffic so much, he can't hardly break it up that day. But you know what? He'll go back another day, and he'll go back another day. You may have to remove a few rocks or this and that, but, but we've got to be careful with this business because it will rob us. And then there's the thorny ground. This is the ground that comes by being trapped by all the materialism this world has got to offer for us. And there's so many people out there. They're pursuing money. They're pursuing nice things. They're pursuing uh, all this stuff. And God and family suffers from the thorns of life, this materialism that comes up in our life. And, and we can't just labor to be rich, whether it be rich in relationships or rich in, in, in money, but we've got to labor to be saved. And we've got to get out here and do what we can because there's people out there, there's so many thorns that's grown up in their life, and they're so uh, in, intent on making money and, and making friends and all this stuff. The last thing in this life that that are things, the things that last in this life are the things that can't be touched by rust. I, I bought that truck of mine four years ago after mom passed away, which was four years ago. Yesterday, mom, mom left us in this world. Had a little bit of inheritance, so I said, you know what, I'm going to go buy a truck. Mom would want me to buy a truck. So I took part of that inheritance, bought a truck, paid for it. And I, it's a beautiful truck, loved it. 
And about a year ago, I noticed everywhere on that truck around the edges are starting to rust. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Seriously? But you know what? The other stuff that my mom gave me, it's not going to rust. But my mom, gave, my mom took me to church. My mom introduced me to Jesus. My mom introduced me to Jesus' name, baptism. My mom introduced me to the Holy Ghost. That stuff's not going to rust. That's the stuff that's not going to go away. In this world, they need that. And what we can learn from the field is, is that we need to, though they may have thorns in their life and they got things that's just pricking them and keeping them from being the house of God, keeping the seed from coming up, we can pick them thorns out. And, and it's stuff the robbers and, and, and stuff that, that stuff can't touch. And there's a huge uh, deceitfulness in people who just gets caught up in looking for trying to get rich. And then there's a the stony ground. This is the ground that is um, it's accompanied by hardness in the heart. The, the stony ground, is, it's marked by apathy. It's marked by a lack of interest. It is that place where somebody, you can't even hardly get them to cry. Life has happened to them hard. They've been abused as a child. They've been through a bitter divorce. They've had uh, maybe a spouse or a mom and dad that has neglected them or not been in their life, and it creates a hardness in their life. And some of us has been there, and you, we may even be there today, but I'm telling you, even that place, it can be, it can be cultivated to where the ground could be good ground. And this is what we can learn. This is what we're going to see in, in the city when we're reaching people. We're going to see the wayside. We're going to see uh, the thorny ground. We're going to see that stony ground. But with the right work, when we get out here in this field and we work it, we can get the ground where it will receive the seed of God. And here's the promise we have, Brother David, if we, if we plant, it's going to grow. Because our responsibility is not the growing. Our responsibility is putting the seed in the ground. And the best we can do is work on that ground. Get in that field and do what we can. And then when it starts to grow, we've got to realize there's also other things you have to do. It's called weeding. And farmers understand how important it is to make sure that weeds do not smother out their crop. Uh, Tammy's dad took me out to show me his garden today and we went out there and he said I, I'd be glad and I can pick them onions out there because uh, it's causing all that grass being my tomatoes and I need to get that grass out of there and I can't pull the grass up or I'll pull my onions up he just had them a little bit too close you know but he understood the process that if I don't get that grass away from the tomatoes it's going to hinder the growth and that's how we have a lot of weeds that come into our life and and that try to hinder us, and we got to do what we can to get rid of that stuff. And that farmer understands that there's a lot of power that comes from the soil, all right? And what we need to understand, the soil that we're talking about in this city and reaching people, it's the hearts of men and women. And if we can somehow get the seed in their hearts, it'll grow. And sometimes it's not easy to get it in there, but we can't stop we got to keep on getting out there. But if we simply, simply just let the field alone, it's going to be overtaken with weeds. 
It's going to be overtaken with thorns. It, life is going to run over it and cause all these three conditions that makes it hard for the, uh, the soil to grow. But if we will stay out here in the field and do our best to work the field and plant the seed, God will do His part. But if we just leave it alone, it's going to be overtaken. And in the church, who is diligent with this land that has been entrusted into us, this land, this area, has been entrusted to us. And we have got to care and work this land with almost a desperation in our spirit as we try our best to farm this land. Because I can just see the farmers as uh, they're trying their best to get out in that field while they can, when they can, and work that field. Because they know if I can't get the crops in the field, I can't get the seed in the ground there's no chance for it to grow and if we don't get the seed in the ground there's not going to grow right and the farmer knows if if the if the crop don't grow I'm not going to eat now we're I don't get me wrong I'm not saying that well the crop don't grow we're not going to eat here now I'm you know I'm not saying that today but the church is it won't grow like God wants it to if we don't get the seed in the ground See, the farmer's loyalties, they lie in the land because he knows that there is something that could come out of the ground if he will get the weeds out, get the stones out, get the thorns out. If he'll do what he can to take time to get the field where it needs to be. And there are times that it appears that the weeds outgrow the plants 10 to 1. I plant, I planted stuff in the ground, Sister Michelle. And I go back out there and say, oh, wow, is my cucumbers coming up? Ah, it's just a weed. And all of a sudden, well, the cucumbers is coming up. And Brother Austin, the next thing I look, and it's like, well, the weeds are outgrowing my cucumbers. They're outgrowing my corn. That worldly stuff thrives in this world. And it's the same way in our lives. See, things don't bear fruit. Things that don't bear fruit generally will they will excuse me, rage in the field. But those things that bear fruit, it has a slow growth. And we've got to understand that. And our hearts are so much like a tract of land. All men and women's hearts are so much like that. We're either be the flyers or we're going to be the weeds. We're either going to be the fruit or we're going to be the thorns that's going to come up in our life. And that's why the scriptures from Proverbs speaks to this. In Proverbs 4.23, one of my favorite verses is, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 22 and 5 says, Thorns and snares are in the way of the forward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. It lets us know that there's thorns, there's snares, there's, there's things that can hinder our hearts from being groped from growing like it needs to. And the same is with the people that's out here that we need to reach. There's lessons that we can learn from the field today of the farmer for to apply to us in this church to see the will of God happen in our church. Praise God. And no farmer will ever remove the, uh, the, the weeds from his field simply with just good intentions, talking about it. No, he's got to get out there. He's got to labor. 
It goes saying, it says, to live, by, to live from a garden, you've got to live in a garden. And I've had both those type of gardens. And again, gardening is a hobby for me, and, and I'd rather have the fresh tomato out of my garden than something I buy somewhere else. It's just, I find satisfaction in that. But I've had both type of gardens where I've got out there and I cultivate it every day or every few days to make sure the grass stayed out of it. And I've also got to the point where I got tired and weary. It's like, I'm not going out there today. And the next thing you know, the weeds are taller than the plants. But we've got to actively take part in the labor of the field. And we got to, you know, and once we do that, there is also what they call uh, irrigation or watering the field. And there are times that the Spirit, for some reason or another, we find a withdrawal in life. You know that I strive to be transparent and honest because we all get to that place in life the point where we just kind of withdraw in life we're tired we're weary and our own field of our life just feels like i don't feel like i don't feel like plowing today i don't feel like watering nothing the point that we we've got to learn how to irrigate and bring water to the fields in some kind of way because dry days and dry nights they call for some action in our life that takes us beyond the ordinary because right now the, the farmers are like oh we got really too much rain I can't get in the field but as the summer goes what's going to happen it's going to dry up and then plants are going to need to be watered right they're going to do what they can to uh, bring water to their plants and sometimes we, we need that desperation to hit our lives where it's them dry spells. In Harvest House, you know we're in a dry spell. And it's time for some desperation to hit us because for these fields to grow like they've been. We plant a lot of seed in this city. Not as much of the last little bit as we, uh, as we have, but it's time to water some fields. It's been dry too long. Because I'm going to tell you right now, this is June, what, 6th today? There's not been a baptism this year, and there hasn't been anybody filled with the Holy Ghost. The first time in the history of this church we went this long without a baptism or somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. And we need somebody to feel some desperation in our hearts. Because when we get to that place and we feel that burden, it'll push us to begin to fast. Fast for our children. Fast for our youth group. Fast for our church. Fast for the loss of the city. Fast for everything we can. Because when we're doing that, we're irrigating. We're watering crops for tomorrow. And when we begin to uh, dig deep into the Word of God, this is when we're irrigating our life. This is when we're beginning to water some things. And we're, we're, we're watering for the future. We're watering for tomorrow. When we get in the Word and we begin to dig down deep and say, oh, I've, I've got I've to prepare for the future. I've got to water some things because we need some things. We need some people in our church to get desperate and start crying out and saying, God, send us people that need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Send us people who need to be filled everybody needs to that maybe put it this way also that want that or we can work with we need that desperation to get in our spirit and, and when we begin to seek counsel 
from, from uh, not just within ourselves or our peers. And we begin to seek counsel before we make decisions in our life. Guess what we're doing? We're watering our future. Because decisions that affect our family, it's important that we water those with the right things of life. And then we have a harvest. There's a lot that goes on in a harvest. The farmer watches over the crops daily with the intent of watching, making sure mildew doesn't show up, making sure that broken down fences is not happening where something can get there and tear down uh, their crops, and making sure where it needs to be watered or where it's getting too much water. The farmer has said that he will travel along his fields going 25, 30 miles an hour with the windows down just looking at the crops. Just looking at the crops. Seeing what it needs. In the harvest there is said to be seven distinct laws of the harvest which could be a whole sermon and series in itself that I may do very soon in the future. But these seven um, seven distinct laws of the harvest is we reap the same kind as we plant. All right? Whatever we sow is what we're going to get. Okay? Whatever we sow is what we're going to get. That's why you've got to be careful. This scripture applies to everything in life. If you're always sowing discord and, and strife, you're going to get that back into your life. So it's important that we sow the right stuff in life because whatever we sow, we're going to get that same thing back in our life. You know why it's important to smile at people, love people, treat people right. And another law of the harvest is we'll reap much more than what we planted. You may plant a few ears of corn or a few kernels of corn in the ground, but if you water that and you irrigate it and you take care of it and you weed it, you're going to get a lot more out of that one kernel of corn than what you put in the ground. Because we're always going to get more than what we planted. And we'll reap in a different season than when we planted. We have planted in days gone by, and we need to plant again. But we also need to understand that you don't go out there and put uh, corn in the ground and the next day think, I'm going to get corn. It comes in a different season. And we also reap in proportion as what we have planted. All right? If you throw out a few seeds, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get a good harvest. But if we throw out massive amounts of seed, can you imagine? Like, usually, if I plant corn, I, I'll plant at least three or four rows. I found out the hard way. My father-in-law taught me this. I planted one row of corn one year. I hardly got anything out of it. So what is going on with my corn? My father-in-law says, you can't plant one, one row of corn. You've got to have at least two because they pollinate each other. So you've got to have at least two rows together. So usually, I'll, I'll plant two to three rows of corn when I plant corn, maybe... Uh, about from here to that wall. I don't get a lot of corn. But these guys, you go by, I've already seen corn getting this tall already. Fields, just as far as you can see. They're going to get a lot more corn than I do because they put a lot more in the ground. So we'll sow seed and we're going to reap a harvest, but what will happen if we sow a lot of seed? We're going to get a lot back. And here's an important one. We only reap if we 
persevere or we continue. If we keep on working that field, keep on cultivating, keep on watering, keep on and not giving up, we're going to get it sooner or later. Don't be weary in well-doing, for you shall reap if you faint not. And we reap uh, a lot of what we did not plant. That's important to know. Brother Gerald Adams years ago told me, uh, he was a pastor in Hopkinsville for many years. He passed away a few years ago. He said, son, knocking doors works. You don't always get the ones you knock, but knocking doors work. And I found that usually when we're going out and we're inviting people where there's knocking doors, putting papers on the uh, cars or whatever we may be doing, majority of the people, the doors that we knock never come to the house of God. But all of a sudden when we start doing it, people just show up. Because we'll reap more, uh, we'll reap much that we did not even plant because maybe somebody else planted that. And that's just the way God works. And the last thing here with this is we cannot do anything about last year's harvest. It's gone. But we have a new harvest. We have a new harvest. And sometimes when you get out there and cultivate that seed, I've had this to happen. You get out there and cultivate that ground, something you planted from days gone by will just grow in the middle of an aisle. I'm like, I didn't plant that there. But it's been planted before. Our job is to get out there and do what we can. In the harvest house, we have a harvest in our lives. We have a harvest in our families. We have a harvest in our church and in our world. And we must see the thing through until the end. And I know, I'm going to say this right now, this church has been attacked specifically. Our church has been attacked with something that's trying to get us every one of us to run away and not ever come back. From the pulpit to the pew, that spirit has attacked this church. But what we got to understand, there's an incredible excitement that comes from a spiritual harvest. When souls, when that harvest starts coming in, that means when our prayers begin to be answered, I've seen it in Sister Janet, as she said, they're opening the doors back up. Our prayers are being answered. I've seen it in some of you before. But when they start to be answered, it, that means that we can go into the house of feasting because that's what happens. When they bring in that harvest, why do you think they have what they call harvest festivals? Because the harvest has come in, and then it's time to eat. It's time to rejoice. It's time to, and you know what? It's coming if we just don't give up. It means that all those days that we spent in the field, They've been justified for being out there in that field and working it. It means that God has found our lives useful. It's found our lives full of purpose because we've been working in the field. It means that we have conquered the temptation of thorns in our life. It means that we have, as the, the Apostle Paul said, I've finished my course. It means that we've defeated all the frosts of doubt that's tried to destroy our lives. It means that we've overcome all that, that bog of depression that we feel in our life. Like, is, is this ever going to happen? Are we ever going to get a harvest? It means that there's come a humbling experience in our life that that, that threshing floor is brought forth 
good fruit. It means that we've fought off that stinking enemy of our soul. It means that we've made it through the heat of the drought. It means that the time has come to kill the fatted calf because the prodigal has come home. In closing today with this, I want to close with a story that was sent to uh, Focus on the Family in 2002. If you're familiar with Focus on the Family, Dr. James Dobson, it's a, been a good program for many years and it's very uh, informative. But the following story that I'm going to read is, is was in the letter that was sent to Dr. James Dobson in 2002. Listen to the story. I believe it applies to where we are today. Um, finally, I want to share a personal story told by John Quartz. This is in this letter. He said when he was 16 years of age, he and his younger cousins went to visit his grandfather's farm. So they couldn't wait to get there and go out in the fields. They wanted to pitch the hay, ride the tractors. He said it sounded like a lot of fun. But the grandfather was reluctant to let them go, but they whined and they begged until finally he said to John, you're the eldest. You can take the kids to the field if you promise not to bring them back early. You must keep them out there until the end of the day. John said, I'll do that, grandfather. So they all got on the hay wagon and the tractor pulled them out in the field. Very quickly, the kids got tired. They started complaining. It was hot. It was sticky. And they were miserable. They began to ask to go back to the house. But John said, no, grandfather told me to keep you out here. At lunchtime, they were exhausted. And most of them were agitated. It was very hot. The hay was down. Their backs all down through their backs. And they were itching. And they wanted to go back. But John again said, no. Grandfather told me to keep you here. About 3 o'clock in the afternoon, a big black storm cloud came over. The kids got scared. Some were crying. Please, they begged, let us go home. Still, the answer remained no. About 5 o'clock, John said, all right, it's time to quit. He got them all in the hay wagon, and they went back to the house. And after they had had their baths and been given something to eat, they rested a while. Grandfather praised them for the work they had done that day. Then they became very proud of themselves. Then when grandfather, that's when grandfather told John why he wanted them to stay in the field. He said, this farm, listen to this, this farm has been successful through the years for one reason. We have stayed in the field when we felt like coming in. We did what we needed to be done even when we wanted to quit. That is why I wanted the kids to have the satisfaction experience of staying with something through the day. Paul told his son in the gospel, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8, For now I'm ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only but to all them that love his 
appearing. Harvest House, I think the greatest lesson that we can learn from the field today at this place in our life right now is it's time to get back in the field and stay in the field. We need to get back in the field and we need to stay in the field. And Sister, Sister Linda, if you only plant one seed and that seed comes up and you cultivate that one seed, what's it going to turn into? You had a pretty good seed growing downstairs. Boys turned into a pretty, pretty outstanding young man. One seed. We can get one seed to plant. Because the, the principle is that one seed's going to turn into so much. But what happens if we begin to work the field like we've never worked it? It's time for us to get back in the field and stay in the field. Lord, we ask you to touch us today. Lord, the field's been hot. It's been dry. It's been hard. But Lord, it is your will for fruit to grow. It is your will that we multiply, Lord. I do not believe you give us this theme for no, uh, just for no reason. And God, I believe it is your will that multiplication happen in our lives, in this church, Lord. Lord, in this surrounding area, not just in this church, God. Help us not be selfish, God. Help us not be selfish, Lord Jesus. But let's be willing to work and labor in all the areas around here that we can. Lord, we give you praise and glory. And I'm asking you put something in our spirit, God, that would awaken us, God, to what is in the field. I know that some spots are thorny, and I know that some spots are wayward, Lord, and there's spots, God, that's full of rocks. But, God, I know if we would just with determination go work these fields, God, that you are going to bring a great harvest to the city of Marion, and not only our city, but the surrounding areas, God. We love you. We thank you, God. And I just ask that you would touch us today, God. We give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name. Church, say amen. We're going to take a moment's break. If you need to stretch your legs or something, we'll get our afternoon service going in a few moments. God bless you.